Welcome. I'm Kevin Miller, and this podcast is called Self-Helpful because not all self-help is helpful. I'm your curator, critic, and translator of the best and brightest minds in the self-help world today. How to thrive past hardship that you can't reconcile. This is a crux of the show that we came to in this discussion. When bad things happen, hard things happen, we want to know why. We want to figure it out so it doesn't happen again. That's wisdom. But sometimes challenges and traumas happen that we submit can't be reconciled. And that may ruffle some feathers of some people's faith structure, which we're going to do a little bit more of in this episode. This is part three on Nita Bouchon and the message in her new book, That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. And to discuss recovery from challenge, trauma, and even tragedy, I brought on a co-host, who has been through more than his fair share, Richie Norton. He was my guest for the second time in this past October 2022, where we talked about the message in his book, Anti-Time Management. Richie has a powerful story, which you're going to hear in just a moment, and we use it to tackle some weighty subjects. Uh, Richie shares times of literally asking, does God hate me? And it was from this that we got into grappling with our staunch desire to reconcile everything, when sometimes we simply can't. And how to move past this. We discuss the futility of blame. Richie shares his quest to be better, not bitter. We discuss the mental differences of dealing with hard things that happen to us first when we are the hard thing, meaning we and you know maybe uh, ourselves, we suffered from our personal mistakes and failures. Actually, we caused other people to suffer from our personal mistakes and failures. That's a different thing than being a victim. We dig into Richie sharing how through his family's journey, they sometimes took considerable time to grieve and recover, and they didn't just always try to rush through the recovery process. I think this will be a very hopeful episode for many of you who have endured hard things. And to that degree, we've all endured hardship to some degree, and it's all relevant. And I think it'll be greatly equipping for all of us. The Self-Helpful Podcast was founded by the Zig Ziglar Corporation, and if you are a coach or consultant, really any leader, and you want to add credibility and clients and impact to your business, I encourage you to go to Ziglar.com. This podcast exists to help you find and understand the guidance and counsel that will help you elevate your personal experience of life and the way you show up for others. Following these sponsors who help make the show possible and provide great resources for your life, I bring you Richie Norton and a deep dive into thriving past hardships you cannot reconcile. A discussion, again, instigated by Dr. Nita Bouchon's book, That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill 
bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richie, my first thought on having a co-host for this part three on Nita and the topic of her book, book that sucked, you know, now what is, uh, you've dealt with some things that sucked. Um, I mean, that's a big part of your story, kind of like her lead in with three deaths. You had uh, your son, Gavin, who passed away at 10 weeks old. And if I, I can't hardly fathom that, I mean, I've had, I've had seven biological kids who I caught them out of my wife's womb mm-hmm. and to have that happen. It's, it's actually one of those things I, re- I didn't really want to go there and even consider what that would feel like. I didn't want to deal yeah. with it. And you've walked through that. Uh, your wife had a, you know, whether it was a stroke or whatever, but a, a significant scare of memory loss and like, Holy smacks. What's, is this, yep. is this the beginning of an end here? Uh, and it, recently your son was in a, Massive car wreck. I saw the pictures. The pictures of themselves are just yeah. tragic. Uh, it really Horrific. are. So you've dealt with that. Well, I, let's start there because as I did with Nita, you know, that's one aspect of setback of things that happened to you. You had no control. You really couldn't have had any control. They happened to you. You were a, how do you term that? I mean, you were a victim in those moments. Is that how, I mean, is that fair? Yeah. I've never, to be honest, I've never thought of myself as a victim even though I guess it would be easy to, and I guess I am, but then I'll, I'll kind of string these tragedies together and then yeah. I'll explain what I thought about it. So first my brother-in-law passed away at 21 in his sleep and he was living on and off with us for like five years. Then my son passes away. Then um, we had some foster children that three of us, right, so our family right, went from right. four kids to three kids to six kids overnight. And it was, it was unplanned. We weren't foster parents. They just ended up at our doorstep, so to speak. We had them for two years, and then they ended up going back to bio mom. I'm not getting into the details, but it was um, sad, to say the least, right? Like, it was one of the worst experiences of our well, lives. And- well, can I, can I interject there? Because I, So I have two adopted kids. We oh. attempted foster, and yeah. man, honestly, again, kind of there, I didn't know that I could handle it having a kid, investing my heart, and then losing them, especially losing them back to what you know is a bad situation. But the, the system is, oh my gosh. is really scary, man. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, we were, we, my wife met this mom who wanted us to babysit her kids while she went out and got some other job at night. And we did, and she didn't come back. That's what happened. Wow. And we ended up having them for two years, oh, uninterrupted gosh. custody, we were going to adopt them. And the foster 
people, CPS, Child Protective Services, said they were going to take the kids, you know, after that first week of us having them. And we said, what, what's going to happen? And they said, well, there's three of them. Nobody wants three kids or, or can. And you're not foster certified. So, you know, they can't stay here. So they're going to come to our office and they're going to get split up. These are, it was a seven-year-old girl, one-year-old twins. And we're like, you're not doing that. And they said, well, since we started getting creative, they said, well, since the, the mom put them in your care, they, they decided to call it kinship placement. Like, you Sweet. can't get paid. You're yeah. not really doing this, but you got to do all these things. And, you know, eventually do all the classes you got to take. And we're like, done. And we were going to adopt them. They went back to bio mom, which is wonderful for her. And we hope they're doing well. Uh, you know, with all of our hearts, that's, that's all we think about is honestly them. And, uh, but it was so heartbreaking for us. What you don't realize is there's a finality to death. There's not a finality to someone you love who leaves and they're still alive. So it's a constant pain. It's, it's like throbbing. Good. Okay. What, what you said right there, that could relate to this. That could relate to divorce and separation Absolutely. or estrangement. Absolutely. That's a big thing. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard because you know what? It's unfair. Well, well, let me say that. So it's unfair to compare anyone's pain because pain is pain. You know, I think it was Viktor Frankl that said pain's like gas. You know, like even the smallest bit fills the whole room. You know, you stub your toe, it affects your brain. You know what I mean? Like your whole day's ruined. <laughs> and so sometimes someone will talk about something that happened with a miscarriage and then they'll, they'll, they'll how hard it is. And then they'll, they'll carefully say to us, oh, but it's not as bad as your baby dying. And we're like, no, it's not like that at all. Like there's no comparing. It's all bad. Pain is pain. Yeah. It is. So you got to, you got to. So the weird side of having gone through a lot of different things is that you hear people tell you a lot of different things. And they and those people try to invalidate their own pain by saying it's not as bad yeah. as yours, or vice versa. I might do the same thing. Neither of that is true. So it's acknowledging that we experience pain, and it's all hard, and it's all different, and there are different grades. You know, there are different experiences, but not to minimize someone else because of it, because yeah. I don't think that's helpful. And um, I heard in your chat with Nita too, like she talked about assigning uh, meaning. Yeah. to a situation assigning meaning to the pain that's 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 always been like the most important piece of this is because you're assigning meaning to what happened to you whether you do it consciously or not uh, agreed and can we say because we're talking about bouncing back and the recovery so here you are with these happening ha- things happen what meaning you attribute isn't that the core of what's going Absolutely. to allow you to bounce back Yes. Or not. And yes. And, and so let's, let's go into some muddy water here from a spiritual standpoint, which you're a spiritual guy. I know Absolutely. to look at that and try to put meaning in there and, Oh, you know, there's a purpose for your son dying. Cause right. yeah. Cause I had some of that with a, a kid who had a bunch of stuff and I'm thinking, man, I, I don't really, I'm not really digging the idea of a God who, <laughs> who, who made my son suffer or in your case, die for, it's the, terrible. for the redemption. You know, maybe, thank it's goodness, maybe there is some redemption, but I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So go, I agree. So, uh, so go to that with so, these things so, that happen and, you, and what so, meaning you're attributing. So right after the kids left, we decided to rally our, our family together Right. So two deaths. Now the, the, their siblings left. Yeah. And these are, these are core memory siblings. These are like bonded. This is like, we're growing up together kind of situation. Right. They leave. 
my wife has a stroke in the car on the way to a gigantic trip. We were one-way tickets to New York. We were just going to get in an RV and drive around the country for as long as we wanted. That was the way we were going to handle this. We we didn't have all the money in the world. We weren't going to use credit cards. We were going to make money on the road as we went and figure it out. That was how like determined wow. we are to do something new. And um, my wife had this uh, mini stroke in the car. She lost her memory. She lost her ability to speak. She lost her ability to uh, remember our names. Like it was a whole thing. Um, she got it back. And I said, we're not going anywhere. Like we're going to hang out at home. Like let's not do this trip. She's like, no way. If I lay down, I'm never getting back up. We have to go. And we did. Wow. And she, we've experienced grief. We've experienced the, you know, I, I believe it's a tunnel, not a cave. We've, we've, we've laid around and watched Netflix for months and years. Like we've, we've done all these things. So everyone's going to handle it a little differently and each time a little differently. And unfortunately, sometimes tragedies, the, the trauma of them stacks. So when one bad thing happens later, it actually brings up the other, feelings from before so we go back to hawaii after this big long six seven month trip we went from new york to california mexico canada it was insane went back to uh, hawaii and my son gets hit by a car crossing the highway it's a highway you know there's only one road around hawaii he's crossing the street this guy doesn't see him just literally doesn't see him no meaning no slowing down just hit him and um he was unrecognizable from the people that were on on the scene that even knew him and uh, the, the car stopped and, you know, came back. It wasn't a hit and run or anything. But I thought he would never see life the the way he did again. I thought he'd be scared of everything. But I got to be honest. Well, fast forward. This happened a few years ago. So now he's out there. You'd be amazed. He, he's catching these 20, 25-foot no, waves No, dude, I've seen. In Hawaii. I've seen your You've post. Seen it. okay. It's Instagram. I don't know where, Instagram, whatever. <laughs> I've seen a couple, like maybe when we did the show with you and I'm checking your stuff out and you got these pictures and it's kind of the stuff that I almost don't want to watch. It's scary. Right? Me. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it was weird because it was like, instead of him being afraid of the world, it somehow he turned it around. Like he didn't get hit by a car. He beat the car. Yeah like Superman, you know? And so like, <laughs> it's whatever. But I remember in the moment when he's in the hospital and I, I came home for a second to get some stuff for, for my wife and for him, or whatever. And I was came back, we're like an hour away from the hospital. I don't know. And I'm walking around the beach cause we live right there and uh, near sunset, right? Sunset beach on Oahu. And um, I was over the spot. It's called Velzy land. Uh, and I was walking around just contemplating what just happened. And I thought, about these things, mm-hmm. my brother-in-law, my son, our foster kids, and my wife, my kid getting hit by a car. And I thought, does God hate me? Mm. I think that's a natural thought. I think a lot of people think that all the, if, if they believe in, in a God, whatever God it may be, the universe, they believe like, why am I, why do I have this bad karma? Why do I have this bad thing happening? Yeah. And I thought that, and then I thought, I try to think a little more logically. I thought, well, these things didn't happen together. Like they were in isolation. And, and, and in actuality, they didn't happen to me. They just happened to people that I love, which is sometimes harder, right? Because you hate seeing people you love in pain. Um, and then I thought, you know what? Love God unconditionally. I never really had that thought before. We always think of a loving God who loves us unconditionally. But we never think about re- reversing that and saying, I love God unconditionally. Because we're always blaming uh, daddy or mommy in the sky. Mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever something goes wrong, every time, 
Why does God let this happen to me? Why does I th- I'm not not going to do that because the moment this is what's interesting. The moment I said so, instead of searching for meaning, because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't find the purpose in it. Because obviously, sometimes things just happen. Sometimes look, someone's looking at their phone and not up at the road. God didn't do that. That person made a choice, and it just so happened to be at a bad time that someone's crossing the road. Right? Like things happen. Uh, the world's turning and spinning. Like things happen. So, but it was when I when I thought love God unconditionally. In other words, keep my faith because I believe the greatest miracle of faith is having faith when there is no miracle. Because when you have faith in miracles, you have faith in sign seeking and signs coming true. And that that's not faith anymore. That's knowledge. Great. But when they don't come true, you lose it. That doesn't make sense to me. So, as soon as I thought love God unconditionally, I also thought that means I have to go to work. I have to do my part. I have to think a certain way. I have to act a certain way instead of waiting for someone, someone else or something supernatural to fix it. Hmm. And that changed the way I started approaching life for sure. I, I'm going to go down this road with you. Okay. <laughs> As you're talking about loving God unconditionally, I struggle from a doctrine standpoint of my faith and spirituality of thinking that God, yeah, caused some bad thing to happen. Like you said, I do, I I do have faith in, Hey, he put the world in motion. It's churning and things happen that he didn't intend or orchestrate. And yet over here on this side, and this is not a unique topic, but I don't think we really hit it head on that often because we're trying to hold that amongst a God that we believe is sovereign. And so I have to look at that and go, I don't have to, but I look at that and I go, well, Apparently God allowed it though. Mm-hmm. And that sure. doesn't feel good. But as a father, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, did I allow it? I didn't intervene. And sometimes, I don't know, it, there, there's some dicey, profound water right there that again, we're back to the, how do we attribute meaning? Cause that right there can be a make or break as to whether we are a victim or not, whether we take personal agency or not, whether we can maintain our faith or not. And we all, and what's interesting is every person believes something different, whether they're an, an atheist or they're religious in some other aspect in one of the many, many religions out there, every individual has their own interpretation you know what yes. I mean? Of what's yes. going on and what's Absolutely. that? So, you know, we could, there's been, people have been philosophizing, if that's a word about this for <laughs> thousands of years, right? It's a, and it creates wars, right? <laughs> these, it these does. Ideas. It does, which, which feels goofy <laughs> to bring it up here. But yet it, it's still, it's one of these things that, you know, hardly a week goes by that at some point the thought doesn't come to my mind about, okay, this happened to me, someone else, whatever I do. I do have faith that, you know, there's a God that, is all powerful, but that it, it still happened, man, I've got to reconcile that if I'm going to go forth, even if it's just saying, I don't freaking know. I don't know. I'm and bro- yeah, it, well, I like what you just said a second ago. I don't even know if you realize you said it, but you said something, at least I heard it as you yourself as a father, you're trying to do certain things. You're yeah. trying to protect certain people. Now comparing it to an omniscient God who is all powerful and all knowing and, and can, could potentially control everything um, while giving us agency, uh-huh. right? If we're going to go through through all that. Free will, right. You could, yeah, you could start going, what about my own family? Mm-hmm. 
I can't control a single one of my children. <laughs> and, and even if we, and you even if we I mean? could, and even if we could, we know that that's not going to help them. To. Yeah, exactly. So I, we're probably not answering the, the the big one of the biggest questions of life right now, but I think it is important to talk about it because some people start going in really dark, negative, not good for them, like self sabotaging directions because they are unwilling to say, "I don't know." I don't understand. And then instead of try, while trying to figure out the unfigureoutable, they start destroying their world around them. That's not cool. Th- but That's that- not helpful. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and air doctor is just the best. Air doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Right. And, and what, what you're saying in there, that's, that is my answer at this point is, yeah, I have these, I have faith in a, a loving God and an all powerful God. Well, then what about, uh, you know, the God, him, God, him, it, her, whatever you want to say, allowing these things to happen. I dude, I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. And, and I, at this point I've decided or accepted 
that I'm not going to know that. And am I, are we supposed to, are we supposed to be able to take all this stuff? And this does get into religion and what I grew up in. Uh, we look at it and we go, okay, you know, one plus one, it must, it's got to equal two. And I'm saying, do I, I don't know what it equals. I, I believe this. I believe this, this seems right. This makes sense. But I don't know. And so yeah, it's it, true. Is God so yeah. small that I can figure him out and have a formula and know what's up? And I'm thinking it's true. No. So whatever your situation is, like because even possibly um someone who doesn't believe in a higher power, they might start blaming things on the wrong people. How often do we hear people blaming others that have nothing to do with the situation? It's constant, sure. right? So, I mean, it it is, I mean, anyone, any belief system, they might blame their spouse for something that they had nothing to do with, blame their kids for something they had no control over. So the blame game can shift anywhere. But once you just, just take out all of the blame and just say, it happened, I'm going to assign meaning to it instead of trying to find meaning in it. If there was a purpose, it will show up. If there was some supernatural meaning, it maybe someday it will be revealed. But right now, <laughs> since it's not, I'm going to assign positive meaning to this. So when my son was dying, it was like on this hospital bed. I'm on, I'm on one side, and my wife's on the other. And we knew, we knew statistically that this would ruin our our faith in our marriage. Yeah. Right. By the numbers. Statistically, yeah. And we told ourselves, I don't know, we can't control, we don't know what's happening in the future. But we, we promised each other, and we're not perfect at this, but we do our best, and it definitely has helped. We said, we're going to live better for our son, Gavin. We're going to make our marriage stronger because of him. And so whenever things get hot right, and, and, and difficult, we we do our best to go. Oh, let's just live a little bit ab- above this. Yeah, and whatever that looks like for someone else in their own world, when you assign meaning, when you, honestly, after someone you love dies, my experience and many others I've talked to, you start realizing how few things matter. It starts to fade over time, but. When when a tragedy happens, you realize how fragile life is. You start going, "It's okay that the mailman's late." <laughs> you got you start going, "Oh, that kid doing terrible things," uh, you know, with with with, the, with like drugs and alcohol. Like like it's all horrible and it's a bad situation. Well, let, let's fix it. But you got to think like too, like that per- is a person to love not to condemn and judge. You just start seeing things through this like filter of of light and you start saying, mm, this stuff over here that I usually would get agitated by is not going to agitate me. I'm going to start loving more, seeing more, being less judgmental. Uh, that's in my experience. And again, it, it does fade, but the fragility of life makes life become so much more important than just the stuff and things that are happening on the side. 
you have me thinking of this, of our propensity to want to reconcile things. Something Mm -hmm. bad happened. I want to reconcile it. And we see the movies where you, you know, people go to great length to find the murderer of the, you know, kid or the spouse or the whatever, realizing it's not going to change anything, but they, we so want to reconcile as opposed to focusing on, I can redeem it. We can't, it sucked kind of back to Nita's book that sucked. Now what? Well, I don't know if I can reconcile it. I wish it hadn't happened. It was horrific. I can redeem it. Like you're saying, I can go forth and try to find some positivity into yes. it. And even the assigning meaning, you said that again, a second ago, and I'm thinking, man, yeah, I want to assign a meaning. Do I need to, or can I just accept it? it like you said a minute ago, it just is and just go on. Yes. Yes. One, I, I try to come with little clever phrases that try to help me remember. Yep. And one of mine is, uh, be better, not bitter. Hmm. It's constant. Like something's going to happen later on today, even after we record this, that's going to make you or I, or someone listening to this feel bitter because there's just too much. There's too much bad. (laughs) There's also just so much good. And so, if I can ask myself, how can I, like, like she says, like, like th- this sucked. Now what? Right. Like that's the right question because the now what could be negative or positive and you get to decide what road you're going to go down. That's important. Okay. Let me, let me go into a different gear an aligned gear because you are. I'm going to use the aspect of you as a serial entrepreneur, which you are. It's part of your bio. You've been involved in, uh, I think I've been involved in a lot of things. And when I read about your stuff, I think I've not been involved in (laughs) much relative. So you've got your hands in a lot of uh, pies, a lot of things going on. So a serial entrepreneur, which to me also means that you have also dealt with a truckload of mistakes, Mm, a truckload of 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 honestly, just, just bad decisions. It's just bad decisions. Mm. Maybe you're well-meaning. Maybe it was a bad decision made out of a bad attitude, whatever. And those mistakes and decisions that, you know, you did it. There's not really anybody else you can blame and they hurt you and they Mm -hmm. caused pain to some degree to your family, to other people. I mean, it wasn't just benign. It wasn't all about you. You can look at it and go, gosh, yeah, that happened. I I'm one of these. I had Dan, Dan pink on, uh, Gosh, last year, his new book, The Power of Regret, which I appreciated yeah. because I've, that's been something I've held and said, man, I do have regrets. Even if there's yeah. redemption, I wouldn't go back and hurt that person again or make that dumb right. mistake again. So, so now, now let's look at that. So all the things that you have done, and I bet you could give me a list of, oh my gosh, I did this and I did this. And here's where, you know, that business went bankrupt or that, what, you know, whatever the story is, just like you, like we went through and you did these, I mean, you, you can take agency on those is the feeling that we just talked through, are you able to take that same feeling and apply it to those things? Cause what I look at is even if something happened to us, we can attribute, yeah, we can attribute yeah. it in a different way. If we do it though, our capacity for grace and acceptance is far less. Well, that's true. <laughs> when I, when I feel like I've made a state, when I recognize that I've made a mistake, I almost feel like a, like this wash over my body sometimes like, no, <laughs> you know, like why? 
And but the feelings there too are also the instinct is to start blaming someone. Oh, this is why, or this is why, or this is why. But when I circle back to accepting responsibility, right? Whether that means taking the blame or accepting responsibility, which are two different terms, you know what I mean? They don't have to be the same thing. Um, At that point, let me, let me, let me, let me think about it. So I might go through in my head, I will go through every scenario possible about what went wrong and why. And I will walk for a very long time just thinking about it constant. And I, uh, if it's something important, right, that I'm trying to figure out why it went wrong or what I did wrong or how I can fix it, how can I make up for it, who can I apologize to, what can I do to make sure that nobody's hurt, you know what I mean, like financially or whatever the situation is. Maybe they just, I don't know, missed their plane. Who knows? Maybe it was a scheduling problem. Who knows what it could be. After I go through all that, sometimes it does seem debilitating and sometimes I do feel frozen, you know, and sometimes I'll think maybe I need to take a nap and I'm going to be honest, a nap helps. And sometimes I think maybe I should just cool off and watch a show for a second. I got to be honest, that totally helps, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or if I dive into eating sugar, that does not help, but it feels good for a moment, you know? (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. For for me, it's going to vacillate between a run, a ride or a glass of wine or two. What if I go eat a big steak or something? But if I if I try to make a decision from the mindset of that frustration, it doesn't work out very well. But if I give myself some space, the idea of the space between um, like like the impact and the response, that space in between about trying to like think think through it, then I I'm able to make better decisions. And so and so that's I guess that's that's what I do. And it might look like a quick text to somebody. It might look like asking a lot of questions. In fact, it does look like asking a lot of questions to myself and those involved. And I've learned that if you ask a better question, you'll get a better answer. And the better questions with better answers create more better questions and more better answers, even though more better is not a real word or term to say, but I'll say it anyways. And then, and then, it, and then we start figuring things out. What, what you said though about revisiting that one, that grabs me because. When someone makes, if you make a, if you share with me some mistake you made right? and I'll look at it, I go, man, I, I get it, but not a big deal. I make it though. And it's like you said, it washes exactly. over me. It's and I, I was thinking about this the other day, one of my sons, I'm sitting there in my home office and studio. I was literally recording. I think I was recording an ad or something like that. And, uh, I can hear a little noise outside. We got really thick walls. And then all of a sudden I hear this crunch. It's literally on the other side of the wall. He backed into the house. Uh, thank, thank goodness he backed into like an outdoor outlet and it just crunched oh, the thing and didn't really dent the house. But I realized at the time that I just, I didn't care at all. He wasn't hurt. You know, even if the car had been now, let's take it further. I've had kids and, and wife and stuff who have had car wrecks and you know, it's a thousand dollar problem or a, a totaled car. And I literally, honest to God, I don't care as long as they're yeah. not hurt. Somebody else. Of course. I, the thing, I mean, I can say it. So I'm going to hold on because I'm going to erase my piety here because I, I don't care. But if I do it, which I did, I down my right. past, which I go down every week, there's a section. And a few years ago, I hit some black ice. I had two kids in the car, little ones in car seats yeah. and uh, uh, black ice. I missed it. Um, slid. It wasn't bad, but I boom. I uh, hit another car. It kind of blew out one of the side oh. windows in the van. My little girl screams. Oh my gosh. Nobody's hurt. 
the damages, you know, I paid my thousand dollar deductible on mine and my insurance paid for the other guy. He wasn't upset. Not a big deal. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. The amount of times I replayed that, and I still have to just shut it off when I come to that section, yeah. just shut it off. Because I, I think so often, I, I know I could have, if I'd have shifted a little bit, I would have gone into the medium and missed it. And no, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. happen. And I just, I can't hardly let that go. And this is a little thing. Other people have far bigger tragedies that they're replaying in their mind. And yet Absolutely. we did, and yet the grace that we would give anyone else, but we don't do it. It boggles my mind. Yeah. We're kind of back to, I don't have a point with that. I'm just looking at it and going, why can't I give myself the grace I would give to you and anyone else in easily, literally easily. And I, I can't do it. To, I want, I want that. I want to flip that switch. I, I do. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. It just get, you can get irrationally obsessed with yeah. it. You know, there might be, who knows, I'm not a doctor guy or a brain person, but something biologic, it's like, okay, you did that. Don't do it again. You know what I mean? But when it comes to the point where it's not allowing you from moving forward, that becomes problematic because you have to keep quote unquote driving, you know what I mean? To keep going with your analogy. So even though bad things happen in my past and I can't fix them, I have to figure it out mentally, you know, with however that looks like some of the things we talked about just now. Then also I try to think about, to be honest, I, 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 I think about it a lot. I think about future regret. And I think if I know what my future regret will be, I can do something about it right now. Because future regret scares me. It To me, it is more scary to think that I might be in a situation where somebody is controlling me and I don't have my freedom and I can't be necessarily an entrepreneur or whatever that might look like. Yeah. That is so scary to me that when I'm scared to start a business, because it would be way I'm not going to say easier because it's not easier. It's just a different problem. And some people don't want to be entrepreneurs. But if I were to say, do I do this thing or do I go for this job or for something else? If I can, whatever it is, it could just be family time, right? If I say, oh, but in the future, I'll regret having this situation, this good situation over here. Then the bigger fear squashes the littler fear. It allows me to do something about it right now. You're talking about our buddy. He's your buddy more than mine, but I'll also call that Ben Hardy. 
uh, yeah. in his book, be your, Fu- <laughs> be your future self now. I mean, that's why I had him on the show. Uh, it's, okay. it's, you know <laughs> yeah, that man, right. it's tremendous. I, I do, I do want to pull out. I appreciate that you took a, as like a, a horrific thing would be taking away your entrepreneurship. I, I, <laughs> I relate, I relate to that because it's, it's my, it's my uh, autonomy yeah. not to speak. I mean, somebody else is thinking yes. the same thing about man, yes. take away my, you know, part of an organization, whatever. And God don't make That's me right. an entrepreneur. Totally fair. Exactly. We're, we're made, exactly. we're made different, <laughs> you know, in this, and I wanted to ask you, and I'm, I'm trying to not make this, maybe I should just let it roll because that's where we're going as an aspect of faith. But in looking at all these things that have happened and knowing that tomorrow to this afternoon, like you said, something we could walk away from this and we get hit by a car, we get a call and something happened to a family member, a friend, uh, a, a business thing could go. I just talked to a, a guy at an event about the, uh, what's the bank in San Francisco that went under? Yeah, and, the Silicon and, Valley. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah, yeah. And just people—it's it's a significant deal. So that could happen to us. Things that we can't control, or we could get a, a call of, well, from that bank that you just put all your money in yesterday, and now you're going to blame yourself. You know, so something bad can happen. And looking at the reality, back to the meaning that we attribute of our—I was going to ask you about motive, but as you're talking, I thought, no, I'm really thinking about hope. Because I, I view you as a hopeful guy that no matter what's going to happen, I think people would say that, oh man, no matter what's going to happen, all this stuff's happening. Richie, he's just, yeah, he just has hope always. Okay. Well, let's not just, <laughs> let's not just slap that on and attribute that you just got, you won the lottery and you just got this hope gene that more than other people got that I'm enamored by that hope. And, and then the lack of it that we see in the culture that I attribute a lot to the depression and suicide and these diseases of despair is what they're labeled under out there. And as you, you seem like a guy who maybe my question is around how cognizant you are, because it feels like you foster hope in yourself and in others. And I wonder if that is just natural or if it came because you were at the bottom and you realized, man, that's my lifeline. I mean, maybe, maybe a little both of nature and nurture. I remember sometimes people will ask me, like, oh, tell me about your parents. How did they raise you? You know, fair fair question. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But as I thought about it, I realized my parents treated me like I was a kite on a string. And I didn't know there was a string. I felt like I was just flying high doing my thing. Interesting. And they were letting me do it. But looking back, I realized they were always there. They were always making sure that I was okay. I was being responsible because a a kite can't fly without a string. True. So they weren't holding me down and tell me when I could go do this thing or do that. Just I'll give you a quick example. No, that's a, that's a great yeah. great. I'm going to use that analogy. It can't fly without a screen. Without the tension, it literally can't fly. That's okay, right. I'm going to use that somewhere. Okay, <laughs> keep keep going. No, I mean I, I gave you a ton of examples. Like one one time, I told my dad I wanted to get a job, and he said you don't want a job. And like, what? Uh, you know what I mean? And he's he's like, no, man, your your job's to go to school and get good grades. I'm like, but I want money. I was 16 and he's, I'm from San Diego. He said, go to El Centro and ask the, I don't know why he said this, go to El Centro and ask the watermelon farmers if you can buy their watermelons, you know, that are uh, irregular size that they can't sell to the grocery stores. And so I did. My brother and I, who was 14 at the time, and I was 16, we filled up our family van full of watermelons. It was low riding, you know, three hours back to where we live. And I sold more all, sold all these watermelons on the 4th of July and we made more money in one day than we would have made the whole summer. So it was like little things like that. Or like my mom be like, I was in a punk rock band. So we played a lot of music. We'd be out late. We'd be doing things. And she like, look, when you come home, just, just wake me up and tell me that you're home. If she wasn't, yeah. if she wasn't 
up already, which yeah. she would normally, my mom and dad would wait till I got home. Or they'd come to our concerts. They'd be the only parents in the room, right? It was crazy. And this is back in the day, like, when the rooms, before they, before, <laughs> before California said you couldn't, like, smoke in rooms. I'm not a smoker. I've never smoked in my life. But these rooms would be filled with people smoking and doing drugs and drinking and we're up there playing music for everybody and they're standing in the back. I'm like, these parents are awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it was just like they were there. Or like I remember one time I I we were gone for so long. This is before we had like cell phones, like I'm an old man now, right? Mm-hmm. And w- w- we didn't check in. And she's like, Look, you just find a payphone mm-hmm. and tell us where you are. It was just it's while my other friends, no judgment they would be told they couldn't go anywhere or do anything really like almost literally. And they would sneak out of their house and get out of the window. And, and I'm like, that's what is that? You know? So I can't judge why kids do things, but I know for me, I was like a kite on a string. Yeah. The, you know, looking at, at hope and, things that we learn. That was another piece that I, I wanted to tease out more and talk with Nita. She touches on it, but the idea of bouncing back and it really got me to thinking about that idea of, you know, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. And I'm thinking, but you want to get up a little smarter and learn something. And I've been, I've been frustrated some, and, and even in recent years at looking back and going, okay, things happen. And I, I bounced back. But then they happened again, and I bounced back. Yeah. And, and and I remember David Meltzer, I had him on the show, and he talked about that. If that keeps happening, same thing. Apparently, you haven't learned the lesson or a lesson. Mm, that's good. You know, I liked in your conversation with Nita where you talked about how, you know, sometimes mistakes just happen. We have to expect mistakes, and sometimes our parents don't allow us to even make mistakes. You sure. know what I mean? Where some parents do, and they allow you to learn and things like that. And there was a time I remember where I was trying to like, I don't know, set some goals or, or, or do something after a bunch of tragedies had happened. And uh, my wife was like, I don't want to set goals because she felt like it was setting her up for failure because they weren't going to come true. That's a scary thought, you know, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a lack of hope. It was more of like self-preservation, you know, like I'm, I'm good where I am right now or, or maybe I'm not that good. I don't want to mess it up. I don't know what it was exactly, but it took some time until we got to a spot where we felt like even thinking about the future because – the future is a great place until it's not. And when you've gone through a lot, the future is not a great place. Right. It's a, it's actually a, an opportunity for, for terrible things to happen. So yes, hope has to be developed and thought about. I'll, I'll give you one more example. This is, this is a weird one. I was, Oh, I was with you guys at the Zig Ziglar thing when we were, where they were launching a, their new program in uh, Nashville. In Nashville. Yeah. I don't know if you know the, the timing of this. So it was the day after Hawaii. I was still in Nashville. Hawaii got this text alert. Oh, I yeah. I remember the story. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And the alert was that uh, North Korea had sent a ballistic missile and was going to blow up the Hawaiian island chain, basically. And then it said, this is not a test. So I'm in Nashville, thousands of miles away, and I'm calling my family, no one's answering, calling, calling each person. And uh, this is my wife and our three children. And one of my sons, who I think was 11 or 12 at the time, answers. And he's bawling. 
and he says, I love you, dad. He, I literally, he told me, he, he said his goodbyes while I was in Nashville. And ironically, while this was happening, I thought my house is going to get, you know, blown up. My family's going to get blown up. The island's going to get blown up. I have nothing to go back to. But it wasn't about me, obviously. I was just thinking like, this is like, it's over. Like, this is terrible. This is, this is actually happening. And I had this awkward thought in the back of my mind. I thought, at least we live without regrets. <laughs> because from all the other tragedies we'd experienced, we decided to live now. It doesn't mean you can't prepare for the future, but it means don't wait. If you have an idea, do it now. So a lot of my hope is not reliant on waiting because patience is about waiting. This isn't about patiently waiting. Patience should be an active term where you're doing everything you can right now. And even if the result doesn't show up, you lived from your values, not endlessly toward them. And in that way, you don't have to ever regret the way you live. That's that's probably a mic drop right there. But I, 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 I missed something that occurred to me as you're talking that you seem to part of your story and your family that when the setback happens, you take time to feel it. Mm, that's true. To grieve it. That's true. And you even talked about time to recover, whether that's a day or two years. Definitely. Not, well, is it fair to say not in hopelessness or even allowing, or even allowing some of that to come through too, but with some faith that you're going to pick up, but you're going to let it run its course. Yeah. Think about it this way. You, you definitely have to feel it. You have to feel it deep because it keeps coming up. It'll still come up. Every anniversary, every trigger, it'll it'll come up. But um, it does get better. It does get better. It really does. Being on the other side of it, I, I can tell you that. But I, it's so weird. When I say on the other side of it, I always that comes back in my head like, but it could happen again. The same way when someone's in a good spot and, and they feel like this is good, this is the way it's always going to be, whether it's conscious or not, they're acting from the idea that everything's good. When someone has gone through something traumatic, they also go through life knowing this could be forever and this could happen again. So it's a, it's a, it's a toggle between when and where and what you say and how and how you show up. But I'll tell you this, however you're feeling, feel it and it's okay. And if you need help, if it's serious, obviously reach out. We, we, we all need that. But at the same time, don't punish yourself. I can, I can't tell you the number of times I've punished myself for feeling good, hmm. knowing that something bad has happened. Wow. And that's not helpful. Yeah. You know, so it's big, big it's picture, weird. Richie, with you looking at even that story, being in Nashville, you get that call about yeah, this man, pending, crazy. pending tragedy. And then looking at it though, and feeling like, you know, and we, we talked about, we do have regrets, but in, in a big sense, you know, not really having any regrets. I've thought about that now. If I passed away now, man, what I've experienced with my family, the feedback I've gotten from my kids, I could die. I've said that there's not a, probably not a year that goes by that something doesn't happen with the kid. And I go, you know what? If I die tomorrow, just put that in my obituary, put that on the gravestone. And I am, <laughs> I am so fulfilled and good. But looking at, looking at life and saying, I want to live for that future self. So I don't have those future regrets. Where would you give me your value on your own responsibility towards your, in this vein, towards your own self-awareness of oh. the, of the priority that that is. First, first of all, let me tell you this. Yeah. It's like a, a tool someone could use. Every time I try to solve a problem, which might mean 
living in the now. That could be the problem, but whatever it is, I also try to think, and I, cause I know that every solution creates a problem. So I'm always trying to solve for the solution for the, I'm always trying to solve for the problem that my solution will create. So it's like two problems I'm trying to solve. Okay. So if I do this, then I'll have this. A lot of people stop there. They don't think, oh, but then you're going to have all these problems. So then I go, oh, if I have all those problems, that means I would need to do this. If I do that, then I can, it's almost like a hop, skip, and a jump to the future. And I can act from that future by making one good decision now and eliminating all the others that would potentially have to come up. This is really important. Hmm. So I try to think about, I try to think about it this way, as far as, values are concerned and how to operationalize them. I try to think about it this way. Like if you were to bake a cake without sugar, you couldn't expect it to be sweet. But every day all over the world, this entire planet, people are baking cakes without sugar and expecting that one day it's going to taste sweet. They're not living their values. They're living for them. One day they will show up. Values don't work that way. Time doesn't work that way. You're gonna bake a cake that tastes disgusting. You're gonna bake a you're gonna make a cake. You can't say you live a life on value if you don't live from your values every day. I expect and know every day, and everyone should, I in my personal belief, even though it's morbid, morbid, I believe that every day I have the opportunity that something bad might happen and I might die. And because of that. I'm going to live better. I'm going to tell more people that I love them. I'm going to, I'm going to hug. I'm going to show up where I want to show up and I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not giving up the future. I'm, 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 I'm more like honoring the future and the past by doing what I do now because I've met people who are dying and so have you. And we've talked to them and we've heard from them. You want to happen to someone when they're super old and they're dying? They lay in their bed and they die. That's what happens. They can't go back and live and love and ask for forgiveness and do all these things. That has to happen right now. Now. That's important to me. I, I don't think we can add to that, man. Um, <laughs> thanks for the emotion in that, to live and to love. That's why I wanted you on here. I, and I recognize that in you. You are a champion of that. I've seen that in your Life and we haven't spent a lot of time together, but I see that yeah, uh, through other people that you have touched, through the things that you do, and that's why I wanted to talk to you here, man. Thank you for your candor and vulnerability, your laughter uh, and your <laughs> joy. It is, uh, I am lifted by you. So, uh, brother, thank you. This will lift a thank lot you, of people. Thank you, brother. This will, no, this will lift a lot world. of people. Thank you so much. Yeah, this has been really wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Dr. Nita Bouchon and the message in her new book, That Sucked, Now What? How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. Uh, you can find her in Instagram. She's got, I think, 160 or, or more th- uh, thousand followers there. Just type in, uh, probably you can type in Nita, N-E-E-T-A, you'll find her. Uh, but thanks to her for sparking this conversation. And if you haven't heard the first two episodes I did with her, I really encourage you to check those out. Thank you, of course, to Richie Norton. Gosh, what a guy for joining me to share his experience in transcending beyond the challenges and traumas and tragedies in his life and helping us do the same. You can find Richie at Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E, Norton, 
N-O-R-T-O-N dot com. I'm actually going to finish this segment on Dr. Nita Bouchon and this message in an upcoming short episode, just sharing some highlights that we hit on and where I'm pondering the greatest insights that I've found from these discussions. Thank you for tuning in to this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. Stay driven, my friends.